Welcome to Vision Chat, a podcast about spiritual topics with your hostesses, Virginia and Stina. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vision Chat. Today, Stina and I have the pleasure of interviewing the amazing Michael Mayo. Michael is an internationally trained medium, astrologer, and spiritual teacher. He developed his mediumship in the UK under mediums such as Gordon Smith and Eileen Davies. Michael brings a practical, grounded, and evidential style to his spiritual work. While developing his mediumship, Michael graduated from the University of California, Irvine, with a BA in psychology and social behavior, and a BA in drama. With his passion for teaching and helping others discover their own unique spiritual connection, he has taught and studied in the US, Europe, and Australia. Michael is also a second-generation astrologer with over 18 years of understanding astrological theory. He teaches and holds workshops throughout the United States and abroad, helping others explore and personally develop through the understanding of astrology. Michael is the owner and founder of Oak Bridge Institute for Mediumistic and Psychical Studies, which provides evidence-based learning for students with a catalog of courses and community involvement opportunities. He is also the author of Spirit Speaks. Michael, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Virginia and Skinny. It's nice to be here. I know that there's you have so much going on, but can you tell us like a little bit about yourself so that people can get to know who you are? Yeah, so um, I am a medium. I've been doing this for 17 plus years now, almost to hit 18 in February. And I do workshops, I teach courses and classes to help other people discover the truth that spirit world is real and that those who we have known and loved and lost still go on and that we are always connected to them. So for me, my biggest passion is really to show that life like love is eternal. That's really what I do. Do you have any specific labels or something that you call yourself? Yeah, so um, I'll refer to myself as a psychic medium spiritualist medium medium <laughs> that's generally what i'll call myself i know that for some people you know the word psychic has a lot of things attached to it and people have a lot of beliefs about what that might mean or be and so yeah i think medium is a pretty safe bet but i think even that has its own limitations because i think people aren't really clear on what that means so for me what that means is um i am able to connect with the people who have crossed over, I'm able to receive impressions from them and talk to them about what I'm experiencing and then hopefully bring through evidence that so that they know that this is their loved one that's coming through. So it's not just like your grandma's here and she says, it's your grandma's here, she died when she was 83, she you know had terminal cancer, she had a tattoo on her front forearm that said, love God, or you know what I mean, like details that make you know that this is the person that you're hoping to hear from. Would you ever be comfortable with the term healer, just out of curiosity? I would say probably not. <laughs> um, not just a healer. I, I probably wouldn't just say just a healer because everything that I do involves healing. In fact, mediumship at its core is about healing. So any form of mediumship, which includes healing, right? Because if you're an energetic healer or something along those lines, you're allowing energy, divine energy or spiritual energy to pass through you as a medium, right? For that healing energy. For me, I believe that I support people in the healing process, but I'm not the one that's actually doing anything. 
I'm just sort of the middleman in, in the process. That's why I would say probably not go with healer, but I would say what I do involves healing. How did you get into spirituality? How did you get into this work? I've always kind of been into spiritual things from a very, very young age. I mean, one of my very first memories is asking one of our family friends to talk to me about God. I mean, literally, it's like literally one of my first memories. I think it was maybe like four, something like that. I mean, I, I was super young. I don't even know why. No one in my family was religious. There was never brought up under any belief system at all. But I was always drawn to to this sort of thing. And that kind of led me on a journey of, you know, different religions, different belief systems and all that sort of thing. And then when I was 18, I was in massage therapy school. One of our teachers had crystals and oracle cards. She was like, you know, giving readings and things like that. And I was like, well, those are kind of cool. Like, I want to find where I can, you know, find that sort of thing. And so I Googled uh, a place nearby called Awakenings Bookstore. And I went in, met the owner came back the next day, met the owner again. He's like, hey, you should come to this mediumship demonstration that they're having here. And I was like, what's a mediumship demonstration? And he's like, well, it's a group of people, maybe like 60 or so people in a room and the medium at the front of the room and they're giving messages to the people in the audience. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. So I decided to go in. I didn't think anyone who would ever come to me or call on me, but uh, he did. And he said, you know, I, I have an older gentleman here for you, and he's basically wanting me to tell you that you're a medium. You need to start developing your mediumship, and one day you'll be doing what I'm doing. And I was like, what? And so then I went to my very first class for developing mediumship. In the very first session, it was my turn to read someone, and I got the person's name, dates that were important to that person, how they passed, the relationship, described the relationship, how they were, and it all was just there. And I was like, oh, I guess that guy was right. After that, I went to my next class. I got nothing. I went to my next class. I got nothing again. I went to my next class. I got nothing again. Yeah, that's what started off that journey. I, I thought to myself, well, if I did this once and it worked so well, it means I can do it. I just need to figure out how. And then that's what started the 17 you know, year journey. Can you describe the feeling when you did the mediumship first time? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. It sort of felt like, you know, when you're having a very deep conversation with someone on like in like a crowded restaurant or something like that, where like there's other things going on outside of you, but you're really focused in on the person in front of you. So all of that kind of dies away. That's kind of how I would describe it, because I just became they're like, OK, what do you feel? Who's there? And I suddenly felt that there was a man here. And then I just suddenly felt these impressions that were coming because I didn't know what I was doing. I was relaxed. I was open. I was just like, I'm going to just give whatever's happening. And that's what made it work. You know, in hindsight, I can see what was blocking me after that first initial reading. But the feeling was just basically like presence, awareness of someone being there, and then just impressions. I was just, it was just coming to me, you know, like very quickly. And it was just the information just appeared out of nowhere. So it was interesting. It was sort of like being drawn into like a hyper-focused state almost. Yeah, that sounds so interesting. Do you have any like uh, childhood stories with spirituality or any spiritual experiences? Yeah, I think if I look back, I might be able to point out spiritual experience. But interestingly, I, I actually take a lot of pride in this fact that I don't feel I was one of those people who had all of these spiritual experiences as a young person. Um, I feel like I had a 
really normal childhood as far as those things go. And so while I was always searching for something bigger, I didn't have like floating heads, you know, or like grandparents showing up to me or anything like that. It was all very, very normal. And so that's why when I discovered in that first initial class that I could do it at all, it came as a surprise to me. I was like, I didn't even know that I was even able to do this. So I think that's why it was kind of significant that that medium brought me that message when he did, uh, because it is the thing. I wouldn't have ever probably known that I was able to do any of that if it wasn't for, for him doing that. So yeah, I think the way, like, I really think that's an important story to tell because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, you have to be born special or you have to like, have all of these experiences that you've always been connected. And I've just found through my years of teaching, that's just not true. I don't believe you have to be born special. I don't believe you have to have these like exceptional gifts or abilities as some people call it. It's a skill. It's something that anyone can learn because you already are a spiritual being having a human experience. So you at your core, you at your essence, you're already spirit, you're already connected to this other world therefore it's just what do we need to do to kind of trim away or move away from this sort of hyper focus in this reality how do we become more sensitive how do we become more passive so that we can access these other states of awareness what do you think is the biggest barrier to people being able to connect the thinking mind it's the thinking mind so people have a big challenge with getting out of the thinking mind. And it's not only just the thinking mind, it's the active mind. So people trying or efforting or trying to make something happen, that's where people go wrong. That's probably the most common issue. So mediumship is so different from everything else you're gonna do in your life. Everything else that you do in your life in the physical world, if you wanna make it happen, you go for it, you make it happen you focus on it, you try, you put effort into it. Mediumship is the exact opposite. The less that you try, the less that you effort, the less that you are you know, going for the goal, the more that it comes to you. So you really have to cultivate and develop passivity, receptivity. Those are really the things that are super important for developing any of this. And it's just so foreign to us because in our society, we're not really taught to be passive and receptive. We're really only taught to be active and rewarded for being active and achievement oriented. Medium people is the exact opposite. You have to actually let go of a desire for an outcome. You have to just learn to be neutral and surrender. Surrender is not easy for people. So that's that's really what, what I would say the biggest challenge is for people. I'll speak for myself, just being uh, learning under you and trying to develop my mediumship that letting go of that expectation is so hard wanting to get it right like when we would practice you know it's like well I, but i want to get it right because i feel like i need to prove that i belong here that i can do this like to myself but also to to other people like i can do it i swear i can do it i know how but it was also that you know always that expectation i think it's so hard for me that was the hardest thing honestly to let go of absolutely and, and mediumship requires vulnerability and our willingness to fail and our willingness to fall on our face and our willingness to get it wrong. Because the more that you can do that, the less tension you're having in your experience. And tension is a really important word in mediumship development. 
Tension is the thing that causes our awareness to contract, causes us to, you know, not be as flexible or as open. So every time you feel nervous or tense or fearful, your energy is going in, it's closing, it's contracting. What you need in mediumship is to have an energy that is very open, relaxed, surrendered. The more open that your energy is, the more the spirit world can impact you, impress you. So what you're talking about is that attachment to the outcome, attachment to it needs to look, feel, or be a certain way. We need to really allow ourselves to have the freedom and flexibility to let the spirit world impact us. So I absolutely know what you're talking about, Virginia. You and everybody else has the same challenge. Do you have any stories that you can talk about where you maybe freaked somebody out with something that you were able to provide, like information that they were like, oh my God, how did you get that? Yeah, I mean, one of one of, one of my favorite sort of stories is I was doing a reading for a lady whose mother just passed probably like a week earlier. And I was, I don't know if I freaked them out as much as it was just super evidential where I was giving a message and she was able to, the mother was an amazing communicator, but she gave me so much detail, so many specifics. She actually went into literally describing her last will and testament, like point by point. So literally we're just going down the list of all the things that she wanted to make sure happened. One of which being her ashes turned into diamonds, put into a jewelry and given to every one of her grandkids. And I mean, I remember in that moment kind of feeling like, how in the heck? Like, this is so specific. And the, 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 the daughter was just like, oh my God, yes, that's exactly true. That's exactly what she wanted and what she wants to have happen. So like when things get super detailed and super just, there's no way to deny it like that. I think to me, that's always the most exciting. That along with seeing the relief on people's face when you give them something that makes it them know this is their loved one. Like that to me is probably the most rewarding part and then I also think like when someone's skeptical or they don't believe in this sort of thing and then you watch that moment of realization on their face, I'd say that's pretty amazing too. So I don't have, I mean, I'm very, I don't know the right word here, maybe ethical about how I work and when I work. So I never like spring my mediumship on anyone. I never surprise people with it. So it's always, you know, consent <laughs> is an important thing. You know, you want to be respectful of people's boundaries and where they are. So unlike what we see on TV where people are like at the dentist and they're like, your mother's here. Like that sort of thing is, is not really what you want to be doing ethically. So yeah, I don't know that there's anything that like shocked or surprised. I mean, if I sat here and I thought about it, I'm sure I could think of shocking and surprising things that have occurred in my mediumship. But yeah, that's that's kind of the one that comes to mind right away. Can I just say, I mean, just piggybacking off of what you, the ethical part, because I think that that's something that in, I don't know, in the spiritual world, we don't talk about as much as we should, mm -hmm. but it's such a big, important deal to get consent and to be ethical because I find that if somebody's coming to a psychic or a medium, they're vulnerable. And we have such a huge responsibility to handle that in the most ethical, moral way possible and respectful way. So I really appreciate that you mentioned that. And also that you do include that, I mean, we'll get to this part later, but that you're teaching people and that that's part of your course, that you actually spend time covering ethics, I thought was amazing. 
Absolutely. I mean, ethics are so, so important. And in this sort of world, there is no governing body of here's what you should and should not do in mediumship and psychic awareness. It's sort of this willy-nilly, I just feel it sort of thing. And unfortunately, what happens is, you know, a lot of mediums are, they've had a lot of trauma in their life. And I mean, everybody does, but like mediums tend to have a, had a lot of trauma, childhood trauma. If they don't deal with that sort of thing, they may have this sensitivity, but what ends up happening is that they let their own ego or they let their own crap kind of come through in the reading. And so if the reading's not going well, or if, the, if they're struggling, I've seen mediums start to kind of say, well, your, your mother is stuck now in the spirit world, or there's this XYZ bad thing happening or going to happen to you. And it's sort of this like retaliation that the person's not going along with them. It's those kinds of things that I think are very detrimental to people. And I can't tell you how many times I have had to help someone who's been told by their, some other psychic or medium, you know, your your loved one's stuck or your loved one is unhappy or they're mad at you or all these sorts of things or you know they're in some in-between limbo or they can't move on like all that stuff is just such bull crap for back black and better words part of my french here but um it's just the truth and i feel ethically too is involves the responsibility of the medium to understand themselves which is also why in our courses we have a whole year-long portion that combines both your personal development and your mediumistic development because we want people to mediums to become aware of their own stuff their own biases their own issues their own discomforts with with circumstances and things like that because let's say that you've had some sort of abuse from a family member and then you start to bring through someone who has abused the sitter the medium's mind or their triggers might start to infiltrate the reading and then they start letting their opinions and their experiences color the information. So it's so important for mediums to be able to put aside their own things or heal them more ideally, heal or work on or become aware of at the very least their issues and challenges so that they're able to meet people where they are and really be of service to the spirit world, let the spirit world give them the information without their own opinions, biases, and colors kind of painted on top. I'm guessing you support mental health. I always tell yeah, people like, definitely. please get therapy. It's okay, you know, it's like we, you know, we take care of our bodies, right? We're like trying to eat healthy, be physically healthy, when we're into spirituality, but also there's the mental health piece. And I think that's also something that's not talked about enough or not encouraged enough. And I always tell people, please get therapy. It's great you're developing and it's great that you're doing this work and you're into it and you love it, but there's the, that whole other piece and it goes to speak to what you're talking about. 100%. I mean, I always try to tell people your personal development and your spiritual development are two different paths and we want them to be moving upward in their progression at the same time. Too many times we see sort of a spiritual development that, you know, psychic awareness, you know, healing ability, all these sorts of things that does not keep up or their, their personal development doesn't keep up with it. So they start becoming sensitive and they start becoming more aware of these things or have abilities that they're starting to uh, unfold, but they're still stuck in these patterns of behavior psychologically. And ultimately we have to be able to do both. We have to be able to hold space. We have to be able to be understanding. We have to 
be careful and protective of the people that we work with because like you said they're in a vulnerable position they're in a vulnerable state you're talking to people whose literal worlds have shattered and the things that you say to them are going to either heal and help or cause harm and so it's so important for us to be able to be as centered as grounded or as one of my teachers gordon smith would say you need to be the rock in the storm for people you can't be getting swept up in whatever it's experiences they're having you need to be the one that's keeping things moving forward so it requires work and it requires personal development just as much as your spiritual development so big proponent i think everybody should be in therapy it doesn't matter whether you have issues going on or not having someone to help you look at these things from the outside especially if they're trained and developed in that way is invaluable so yes 100 we are so in fact in our expansion course the companion part is actually written by a therapist that i know that's who put that part together the part about personal development and helping is all from that person in in line with what the mediumship concepts that we're also putting forward so we literally got in professional <laughs> professionals to help put that together. That is so wonderful. I think there's so many people also thinking that, oh, I'm spiritual. I can just work with it energetically and it will go away. My problem will be solved. And that's not the case. Most no, of the time. that's not the case yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, can it help and support you in that? Yes. You know, it depends on what the problem is, right? Can your spiritual awareness help you have a greater sense of connectedness with other people that might support your depression or anxiety? Yes. Can the understanding that we move on and this life isn't the end help and support maybe some anxiety or depression or whatever? Yes. So like it's supportive, but it's not the solution. So we still need to deal with our issues and our things in a very, um, direct and active way so yeah i mean you hear the term used a lot spiritual bypassing right where like we use our spiritual principles or ideas as a means to sort of bypass the sort of issues that we have we need to cut that out <laughs> we need to not be doing that we need to actually deal with ourselves and it, all it's going to do is make you a better person it's going to make your work better and clearer and stronger. What do you feel like is the most misconception when it comes to spirituality? Yeah. Is there a specific aspect of it that you're referring to? Mm, it's more like, um, do you have any suggestions, Virginia? Um, I'm, I guess people have ideas, right, about what spirituality is, what a psychic is, what a medium is, and do you feel like what's the most misunderstood thing about spirituality one of the things that i would say if we're referring to you know spirit communication or you know working with the other world is that there's any fear or danger that we have to be worried about that there's you know if you don't open yourself right or you don't you know if you open a door you'll never be able to close it right so there's these ideas that there's something to fear from the spirit world and i um, that's like part of one of my biggest parts of my mission is to show that there actually isn't anything you need to fear from the spirit world through religion, through media, um, through culture. We learn these ideas that there's something we need to fear from the other world. That's just not been my experience in 17 plus years. I've never experienced anything negative, scary, bad. I've been in 
quote unquote haunted places. I have been in, you know, dealing with people with a lot of trauma or maybe were murderers or you know, like literal like dark things, quote unquote dark. And my experience has never been one of, of anything negative from the spirit world. It's always been positive. It's always been met with love. It's always been met with healing. It's always been met with peace. And I think that's the result of working with the spirit world. Anytime I have someone talk to me about, you know, some scary sort of experience that they had, I usually pose this question to them. I'll say, okay, for a moment, let's just suspend the belief that this had anything to do with the spirit world. What else could this have been? And I also will give them the example that, you know, it's really about our beliefs and our expectations about what is possible, that we interpret what would, what would have been an otherwise neutral stimulus. But because of the circumstances that we're in, we create fear. So one, this is my cat Louie, in case anyone can see this. Um, so an example of that is like you're sitting in your, you know, living room, you're watching the TV, you're watching a sitcom, it's daylight, everything's cool. And your roommate or your partner or whatever comes in and goes, what are you watching? And you're like, oh, I'm watching this show. It's hilarious. Haha, <laughs> come watch it with me, right? Now let's just switch the circumstances. Now you're sitting in the dark. You're watching a horror movie. The killer is just about to, you know, get the person. And you think you're home alone. Suddenly your roommate or partner comes in and goes, what are you watching? You, ah! you know, you, you freak out, you get scared. Why? The stimulus is exactly the same, but the circumstances of what you believe causes you to interpret danger where there isn't. And so it's so important for mediums and people to become aware that it's really the, you know, landscape of our belief system of what we think is possible that creates these fearful experiences it's not actually the spirit world doing something i mean i've seen objects levitate i've seen things move on their own i've seen ectoplasm i've seen spirit lights i've seen all kinds of things i've been grabbed i've been touched you know by the spirit world and it's never caused me any kind of fear surprise maybe yeah um startled yes because i wasn't expecting it but never fear like something was gonna bad was gonna happen to me never panic, never anything like that. So I always tell people, you can be afraid if you want to, but it's optional. You know, you can, you can be, you know, you be protective and you have all this protection and stuff like that, but it's optional. You're wasting your energy. You don't have to actually do that. And if anything, you're going to discover that the spirit world is love. It's compassion. It's kindness. It brings peace. That's been my experience anyway. It's so fascinating, this part of what you're talking about, because it's like, well, then where does all this fear come from? Because I'm not going to lie to you. There's been some stuff that I've experienced that I'm like, you know, I'm scared. But it's like, is it that we're watching, we're letting ourselves be influenced too much by movies, by TV? Is it just sensationalism? You know, is it just to get ratings? Like, where is all this fear coming from? I would say the underpinning of it all is fear of the unknown or fear uh, due to lack of understanding. So if you were to be raised by someone who understood the spirit world and they explained to you, if you experience this, this is what this means, and that's cool, you don't have to be afraid of this, then you wouldn't be, right? You'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that's a normal part of my life. That's an entirely simple thing. Oh, something moved on its own? Sure, that's normal, that's what happens, right? 
versus when you have no context for what the experiences you're having and it's defying your laws of understanding or it's defying your belief systems, it can make you scared. We get scared of things we don't understand. On top of that, people have tried to make explanations because of that fear as to what is going on. So whether that's in religion, whether that is in culture, whether that is in um, you know, just our societal belief systems, uh, the media, right? So all of, all of those things do influence our understanding. I think definitely religion is probably one of the biggest reasons why we uh, feel that because so many religions are very, it's just this and anything outside of that is evil, bad, negative, scary, like run away, right? That's definitely a part of the of the issue, I would say, or why people have fear is because we were told that is something to fear. And like, fair enough, because think about what life was like prior to modern civilization, right? It was, death was around every corner, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like infant mortality rates and, you know, just illness, you get a scratch and you're, you might die. Like it was, it was a way to kind of help us understand and cope before we understood more. And we needed to be, have something to keep us safe and fear can keep us safe, right? Like it can in its right purposes and what it's meant for, it can keep us safe. If we see a tiger coming down the, the thing, it's meant to keep us safe to feel fear and run away, right? Not being like, hey, let me pet you. Like <laughs> that's, that's not good. It's So it's that fear of the unknown, it's fear of the other, it's the fear of all that stuff. That I think is the root of it, which is why for me, education through information and also experience is what I feel really changes people's perspective and they start to see things a little bit more clearly. Yeah, I just think because there's so much fear that I, you know, around spirituality and things that we don't see, we don't necessarily understand. So I really, really appreciate that you have that explanation too, because it's so comforting to think about, you know, coming from a place of love and understanding. If you can understand that the other is love, then what is there to fear? Exactly. Absolutely. And and it, and it sucks because in spiritual circles, like the spiritual world, again, like I said, there's no regulation. There's no one sort of understanding of it all. And I think because of that, we can allow our own fears and our own experiences to color what we, what we experience, right? Our beliefs. And for example, things like attachments or things like, you know, spirits being attached to people and needing to get them off of them. This to me is an example of people's interpretation of a stimulus out of fear, based out of fear, based out of understand, not understanding it fully. The reason that I say that is usually in any kind of like spirit attachment or things like that, that we see, and I used air quotes on spirit attachment, by the way, <laughs> for those of you just listening, what we end up seeing is the solution almost always is a psychological one where they're like, oh, you had this traumatic thing happen to you and then this spirit attached itself to you. And then you had to like deal and process that pain and trauma to make that spirit person go or like that spirit attachment go away. Well, if the issue that incited the issue was a psychological one, and then the solution is a psychological one, why are we saying that there's a spirit attached to this, right? So it's sort of like this interpretation. I think also too, like when people are watching or like when someone's trained to 
sense those kinds of energetic things. They might feel like a denseness or a heaviness or a thickness in the atmosphere, somewhere in the aura or the energy of another person. But the interpretation of what that denseness means is the part that seems to have been kind of passed on. And it's just an in, incorrect conclusion that there's a spirit attached to it. Can I feel in someone's energy if there is some really traumatic or challenging thing that's happened to them in their life? Absolutely. Your thoughts are things that emanate in your aura. I can sense where that is. It might show up as a color, it might show up as a density, something like that. And instead of assuming consciousness is attached to it, I just know that that's information, right? That's just a, like a scar on someone's body. You don't see a scar and think, oh, there's someone that's going to stab you because you see the scar there. No, that just means something's happened and I just need to talk about it. And we that's how we work through it. So we just totally cut off the whole idea that there's a consciousness that's impacting it in some way. It's literally just the own person's sort of thought form that they've created that's existing in their energy. So that's a really good example, I think, of people's uh, fear kind of coming in and repeating, kind of passing this on or misunderstanding it because they're not neutral uh, in their development. So that's one of the key ideas is developing your awareness and your understanding of the spiritual world through a non-fear-based lens and also um, learning how to be neutral rather than like everything is love and light and beautiful and oh my god rosy rainbows and unicorns and also the opposite everything is a demon everything's going to get you protect yourself you need to just be in the middle so that you can see things clearly and it's not colored by your your beliefs beautiful explanation are there any tips that you give people as they're starting their spiritual journey? Yeah, so, um, well, number one, I would say, if you're starting your spiritual journey, probably pick up my book, <laughs> Spirit Speaks. And the reason that I say that is not just because I wrote the book. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased that way, but I actually think that it's, I wrote it with the intention of people being able to not know anything, and I'd be able to hand this to you and be like, look, here's the foundational things you need to know because I come from a place that's non-fearful, uh, I want you to skip that whole part because that is just an exhausting section of this whole experience. I would recommend that if you're interested in spirit communication, if you're interested in understanding the foundational things that are gonna help you in any kind of mediumistic or psychic awareness. So that's the first thing I would say, but there are exercises that I would start people off with, which is what we call sitting in the power. That to me, is one of the most important developmental tools that you can use. It's a meditative practice where we come to this, we learn to kind of become still and quiet and we learn to open our energy, expand our energy and sit in the power of our own energy and really become aware of what we feel like first. Then we offer to the spirit world, hey, this is your time. Do whatever you need to do to develop me. I'm just gonna sit here, be neutral, relax, let go. And anything that arises or anything I experience, I'm going to notice it, accept it, and let it go and relax more. And that process of doing that opens your energy, helps you become more sensitive, offers time for the spirit world to develop you, um, and also makes it so that you are learning to quiet and still your mind so it's not so reactive. Most students starting off when they're wanting to develop any of this, their minds are super reactive. Like you, you feel a tingle and you're like, what's that? And you like want to understand it or you want to make sense of it or you want to have this whole visual experience and see the, all the things. 
all of that is just the activity of the brain. And we are trying to move away from that so we can quiet that awareness, that thinking mind. And that way we can start to sense and feel more of what we are. That's when we start to move into an energetic sensitivity. You might start to feel tingling, buzzing, thickness in the atmosphere, heaviness. Those are all signs that you're starting to become more energetically sensitive. We then want to relax beyond that, surrender more. And then that's actually what starts to move you into this altered state of awareness where you can then start to have more, I would say, spiritual awarenesses. I don't know, like experiences almost. But it's about learning to become passive rather than trying to achieve something. I think it's where most people go on with meditation is they're trying, I'm supposed to be here. I'm trying to do this. So that is where I would probably start anyone off at is, is sitting in the power. I listened to one of your meditation that you have on your web page. Yeah. And the first time I was so like amazed how calm you get and what is coming to you without you having to do anything. So it's very nice. I recommend it. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, my Sitting in the Power Meditation, this is on my website on mediamicromayo.com. Um, that specific one is was designed to, like everything I say in that is specific. It's on purpose. There's a reason I'm saying do this, then do this, then do this, then do this, right? Like I'm giving you all of those pieces because I'm, trying to move your awareness into this other state of awareness. And so I have heard other people say that too, Stini, like that they've like, I've never been able to meditate, but I use your meditation and it helps me so much. And like, I'm able to actually get there. It's on purpose. It was designed that way. It was really calculated <laughs> to be this step, this step, this step, because all my years of teaching people, I've learned what what's the purpose of this? Why do we do this? And so I need to help each student kind of get there themselves. So I'm so happy that it seems to be working. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. A little bit over to something else. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look back on your journey, is there anything you would have done differently? So anything I would have done differently? That's actually a really good question. That's that's really hard to to say that I would do anything differently, only because every experience that I've had has taught me something. I mean, I can definitely look back and be like, okay, the earlier part of my development, I wish I would have had some of the teachers that I had at the latter part of my development or the later time period, because they really understood mediumship and they really were able to do a lot of good. But that being, and like, I'm always like, what would I have done if I would have started with those people? Where would I be now? Do you know what I mean? But the reality is, is when I was taught, I had while I had a really good first initial teacher, um, she didn't necessarily understand mediumship in its broken down form or how to express that to someone else. So that led me on a journey of seeking, and I ran into so many walls, so many challenges, so many different things, like um, different teachers, different styles, different all kinds of things. And what that created was opportunity for me to have to understand and discover all the possible ways that we can do this wrong <laughs> so that I could discover and learn how to do it effectively. While I would love to say, man, I wish I could have cut that whole part out all those years, where would I be now? It actually is what made me an excellent teacher, in my opinion, 
because now I see a challenge that a student is going through and I'm able to go like, here's what's going on. Here's how you fix it. Let's move on, right? Like I, I have to be grateful for every kind of maybe dead end that I hit along the way. And then I try to kind of take that knowledge and that learning to make it easier for all of my students so that they don't have to go through that. So I, I can't say there's anything I would change. I'm really grateful for all the experiences that I've had. And I can personally vouch as a former student of yours, and I do plan on signing up for more courses, I just haven't gotten around to it, yeah. um, that you are an excellent teacher and you're very heart-based. And I so appreciate that because you do come from a place of love and it's genuine and you show up for the classes. You know, sometimes uh, I feel like when people advertise classes, they're like, you know, you get a recording or you get like a student of a student and you don't talk to the main person. And with you, it's like when you sign up with Michael Mayo, you get Michael Mayo. So that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so speaking of that, do you want to tell us where people can find you and, you know, where they can buy your book and how do they sign up? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, first of all, Virginia, thank you so much for saying that. It's always awesome to get compliments from my students because that's what I do it for. I do it for you guys. So thank you. People can work with me in a different way, in several different ways. Um, if you're looking for mentoring or working privately with me, you can do that on my website, mediummichaelmayo.com. And so, yeah, if you're looking for those kind of things or you want to get a reading with me, uh, I do psychic readings, mediumship readings, astrology readings, and also spiritual assessments. All of those things can be done at mediummichaelmayo.com. If you're interested in uh, working through my school that I have, the online school that I teach with Medium Megan Elisa, you can do that through oakbridgeinstitute.org. That's where you're going to find the courses um, that take you from the beginning of your development all the way through working professionally. So there, uh, I think in total, the whole course uh, work probably takes about three years, I want to say at this point although there's going to be more added to all of that and it's really to me in my opinion the best courses that are out there i mean we're, we are so we give a lot to our students in those in those programs and you know we're there every week and you know a lot of people who do courses they'll they'll meet like once a month you know or they'll meet you know just a few times or, you know, you're going to just do a lot of recordings or things like that, like you were saying, Virginia. We're just there live. We're there and we're helping you. We're answering your questions. And it's very, very detailed. So we we have our foundations uh, course. So if you're brand new to this sort of thing, foundations one, two, and three, we actually send everyone to go through foundations. However, if you have some experience, you're welcome to do an assessment with us and we'll tell you where we think you should be in the foundation series. After that, we move into a, a year-long course after that, if you're interested to continue on, and then another year-long course after that, where you start working with the public and we get you people and, and all kinds of things. So so really detailed course progression. We also have on our website, Oakbridge Circles, so weekly circles. Let's say you don't have the time to really commit to coursework, you can come to our weekly circles. So we have several weekly circles that are called development circles that you can attend and that's kind of more the traditional way of developing your mediumship. So, and that is a much uh, more cost-effective way to do it because I think they're only $35 right now. And actually they're going to be moved and changed to, to, I think, 25 because of, or I think we're going to get rid of our, adjust our membership program so that people just pay that lower cost anyway. So 
anyway, you don't need a membership for anything that we teach or do. We also have workshops uh, that are taught not just by Megan and myself, but other teachers, some teachers from Arthur Finley College, for anyone who knows what that is uh, in England. So we have so many opportunities to work with us. Uh, we also offer free things, like uh, we have a weekly Q&A. So if you're interested and you just want to ask some questions about spiritual things or your development, we have those on there under the events page as well. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to kind of connect and work. Um, and then all my social media is media Michael Bayo. So whether you're on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, um, you can find all of that there. Lastly, my book, I know this feels like a long time to be talking about how you can work with me. The last of my book you can get on amazon.com or you can get it at lewellen.com, which is the publisher. And uh, it's called Spirit Speaks and it's a step-by-step -step guide to developing your mediumship. It's also a great resource for information and you know, talking about the myths and the fears you know, talking about mediums of the past, talking about how to do mediumship. And I take you through a series of exercises. So it's a very thorough, thorough book, and it's got a really good reviews on Amazon. So I'm really grateful for that reception. But yeah, those are the ways you can work with me. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate your beautiful energy and all the wonderful information that you gave everyone. And we hope to see you again. Maybe you can join us in another episode and we can talk about other things. I don't know. There's so much to talk about. I would be so happy to join you both again. So I just want to say thank you, Steeny, and thank you, Virginia, for for working with me and allowing me to be here and share with your audience. Um, so yeah, thank you.